Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest with us tonight, we welcome you. We're glad to have you in our service tonight. Thank you for being here. If you're joining us on the internet tonight, we welcome you a part of this service wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us as well. Praise God. And again, even though they are not here, we give honor tonight to our bishop and mother Wright. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to do something tonight. It's been a while since I've sort of done something like this. But I want to preach tonight basically to the 35-year-olds and under. If you're 36 and up, you can listen. You can respond. You're welcome to participate. But I want to I want to preach. I and, and my message, my message is a challenge. It's not a rebuke, it's a challenge. I said it last Sunday night, Thursday night, with regards to our young people. We had our uh, young marriage fellowship last night, had I think around 13, 14 couples. And, and uh, I am as excited and full of faith as ever before about our future between the youth and young adults and our young married couples, we have got some outstanding potential and and it is ex- very exciting to see. And I feel like between Youth Congress and just a little bit of where we are and again heading up to back to school revival, there are times in which there are, there are doors that God opens to us. And uh, they, 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 they're not open all the time. They're not open forever. And I just kind of feel right now that there's a door that's, that's opened. It's one of those seasons that something, is signif- something significant is happening. And so you turn to Genesis chapter 2. I'd like to start reading with verse number 1. Genesis 22 and verse number 1. The scripture says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and that more accurately for us today would be test, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and Get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his burden-bearing animal and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, 
here am I, my son. I, my boys and I, we don't have, we don't talk like that. I guess we're just not dignified. And he said, that is Isaac, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The living Bible says, Father, Isaac asked, We have the wood and we have the flint to make the fire. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? I want to ask you a question as my title tonight. My question is, where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? Father, we thank you for your wonderful presence that's in this place tonight. Thank you for what you've already done in this service. You have already ministered to lives in this place. You've already done wonderful things. Now I pray that through your word that you would speak to us tonight, God. Speak to everyone tonight. But I pray, God, especially that you would challenge the younger generation that's a part of this church that's not intended to just be a part of the future but is a part of what you're doing now. Thank you for what you're already doing in them, but I pray you would continue it tonight. I trust you for your anointing tonight. Depend on you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know that for the majority of you here tonight, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. This is a familiar story. Most of the time seems to be that when we use this story, the primary focus is Abraham and what God is doing in Abraham's life and Abraham's faith and Abraham's confidence in God, Abraham's willingness to be obedient to God, Abraham's confidence that if in fact he did slay his son, that God would raise him up. I don't think anybody besides Abraham knew exactly what they were going to do. Abraham, and it's been preached on, and it's great to preach about, and it's a very great, it's a very important idea and concept that Abraham says, we're going to worship. He did not say, I'm going to sacrifice. He said, I'm going to worship. That's what he told his servants. That's what he told Isaac. That's more than likely what he told Sarah. I am absolutely confident he told Sarah he was going to worship. Because if Abraham would have told Sarah he was going to sacrifice their son, there would have been a sacrifice before Isaac. I don't think Sarah would have allowed Abraham to leave the house with Isaac if he had told her what he was going to really do. Mama would have protected her boy. And so Abraham tells everyone, as we best we can tell, the lad and I are going yonder to worship. We're going to worship, and 
They journey a little ways with Abraham and Isaac and the servants and they come to this point that it's now time for them to ascend the mountain and now it's just going to be Abraham and Isaac, just the two of them. And so I, I guess I guess by simply deductive reasoning, Isaac looks at the fact that he and his father are now bringing wood and bringing fire and he was aware of what that was for and and he begins to look at it and he begins to realize we've got the wood we've got the fire but where is the sacrifice we're missing a very important point here if we were to read on Abraham responds and says to Isaac the Lord will provide. So Isaac is completely unaware of what is taking place. He is, he is yet to realize that the sacrifice is there. That he is, in fact, to be the sacrifice. I don't know at what point, I, I don't know, we don't know specifically from the scripture, at what point that Isaac became aware of the fact that he was the sacrifice. We don't know, based on Scripture, how Abraham broke the news to Isaac. I, I find it, and as those of you that have been in my Antioch U class and taught it there, I've taught it other times, I find it to be very interesting. I find it to be challenging as a parent. Abraham was probably somewhere now about 120 years old, give or take a few years. Isaac is therefore 20 years old, give or take a few years. There is no 120-year-old man that has the ability to overpower a 20-year-old man. And even if Abraham was stronger than Isaac, I am pretty sure Isaac was faster than Abraham. So if he could not have wrestled and resisted his father, I'm pretty certain he could have ran from him. I think it's a testimony to the relationship that had been developed between Abraham and Isaac, that Isaac got on the altar. I realize the scripture tells us that Abraham bound Isaac, but I, I don't believe he bound Isaac because Isaac was fighting him. And at some point, it therefore dawns on Isaac, I am the sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. And and it's one thing for Abraham to have heard from God. It's one thing that God spoke to Abraham to do this. That, that's one thing. But now Isaac has to not only trust that his father heard from God, he also has no word. Abraham didn't even have a word. Abraham had no promise from God. Kill him and I'll raise him up. That was Abraham's faith. 
Abraham's faith was, if I do kill him, God's going to give him back. And so, not only does Abraham not have a promise, Isaac does not have a promise. But Isaac was willing to be the sacrifice. Isaac was willing to become the sacrifice that was missing. And I've come, I believe, in the Holy Ghost tonight to challenge again the 35 and under crowd here at the part of Antioch to not just be good, faithful church members. To not just come three times a week and do a good job of worshiping and pre-service prayer, but to somehow decide that you will go beyond that and you are willing to become a sacrifice. That you are willing not to just give a portion or a part of yourself, but you're willing to make up your mind to be sold out to this. Not to be in it part way. Not to be in it halfway. Not to be in it three quarters of the way. Not to be four fifths of the way, but to decide if there is need for a sacrifice. I'm willing to lay aside everything that's my dreams and my preferences and my desires and I am willing to become the sacrifice. You see, what the sacrifice is changes from generation to generation, but every generation must sacrifice. Say it again, the sacrifice, what the sacrifice is, changes from generation to generation. But every generation must be willing to sacrifice. Every generation's got to be willing for this thing to cost them something. Every generation's got to be willing to sell out. And the challenge that we have is, if we're not careful, we live off of the wave of the generation's sacrifice before us. Last Sunday evening at the fellowship, got to talking to Brother Whittington and he began to share something that a friend of his had shared with him. And I just happened on Monday as I was working in my office to just finding something to listen to while I was working and I I found a message by Brother Raymond Woodward and I began to listen to that in the background while I was working not knowing that it was actually the very same thing that Brother Whittington was sharing with me the night before. And part of that was with regards to the fact that we're, we, we can live off of the anointing of the generation that came before us. We can, we can bask in the glow of somebody else. But God calls every generation in some form or fashion to sacrifice. Every generation's got to be willing, if they are going to reach the full potential of what God has for them, they've got to be willing to pay some prices. 
They've got to be willing to go beyond what is simply convenient and comfortable. And I believe that we are at a moment in which God is calling some of you, maybe all of you, but some of you at least, to a new place, a fresh place of not just giving Him a part, not just coming to church and being 100% involved in a church service, but where the true focal point of your life and the motivation of your life is God. God and the kingdom of God and what God has for you and the calling and the ministry that God has. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added. You can choose to seek the things. The problem is when you seek the things for yourself, you got to work to get them. And then when you get them, you got to take care of them. And you got to manage them and you got to make sure you're able to keep them. It's pretty awesome when you seek God and then God gives the things. Because when God gives the things, God also pays for the things himself. You don't have to stress yourself out. You don't have to string yourself out. God has a way of opening some doors and pouring out some blessings to come from sources in ways you never expected. You know, we we are busier than we've ever been. We're busier than we've ever been. But I got a feeling my parents, when they were my age, were busier than they had ever been. I got a feeling my grandparents, when they were my age, were busier than they had ever been. We all are busy. We all got stuff to do. We all can allow things to steal our time. I've come to challenge tonight again to go beyond just showing up three times a week. To go beyond just being faithful to church. But realizing there is an invitation from the Holy Ghost to go beyond that to something that is greater. Familiar passage of scripture. It was actually used on Friday night at Youth Congress. First Kings chapter number 19. God is speaking to Elijah. And he tells him, directs him to go find Elisha. First Kings 19 and verse 19. It says, he, that's Elijah, departed thence. And found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by and cast his mantle upon him. I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. Some of you have heard me preach it before. But I believe when that mantle was thrown on him, he was getting a taste was getting a taste of something he had never experienced before. He was, he was getting a taste of an anointing that was not anything he had ever had before. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly why Elijah did that. Because he knew that when Elisha felt what was in that mantle, what he was doing, what his natural life was all about, could not satisfy anymore. When he got a taste of something 
that was supernatural. There was no way that the natural could keep satisfying him. The Bible says he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Again, as I said last Sunday night, I'm not trying to exclude or isolate anybody by this, but forgive me for a moment in challenging and asking you young people that were at Youth Congress last week, how are you going after what you felt? You see, when Elisha felt that mantle rest upon him, he did not stop. Think about it. Ponder his present circumstances and his dreams and his desires, his plans for his future. And, 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 and neither did he just kind of, you know, stroll after Elijah. The Bible says he left the oxen and he ran. He ran. There was something driving him to the point he could not just go for a casual stroll and hope to catch up with the man of God. There was something driving him and he runs after Elijah and he says, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again. What have I done? So he goes back, but I want you to notice, he does not go back to just simply say bye. He does not go back and just simply give his goodbyes to his parents. He went back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. That means he took the oxen and the and the 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 uh, the equipment that he used to plow with the oxen, and he sacrificed all of it, and he gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. You see, we 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 get caught between the two. We know we felt something. We know we got a taste of something. We, we know that God is drawing us, but, but what we want to do most of the time, we don't want to burn our bridges. We want to be able, if this doesn't quite pan out, or if this isn't quite what we expected or hoped for, we want to be able to go back and have something to fall back on. And that's why a lot of times we get in places like Youth Congress and Youth Camp and Call to War and Manifest and other places and we know God calls us, but we don't burn the oxen and the instruments and, and, and we go after the new, but we still keep the old. But Elisha decided, I'm not just going to go after this and have something to fall back on, but I'm going to absolutely destroy it all so that I can fully, completely go after what is ahead of me and not be tempted to go back. 
That's a sacrifice, my friends. That's a sacrifice. I'm going to give myself wholly. I'm going to give myself completely. The Apostle Paul said it like this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I am confident there is something God is drawing us to right now. There is something God is inviting us to right now. But we can't get there on just the common average level of dedication and commitment. We can't get there in our spare time with what's convenient. With what's convenient. We've got to make up our mind. I'm going to get rid of everything behind me. I'm not going to have anything to fall back on. Preach to youth and young adults and young married couples tonight that you're trying to find your way, trying to get established, trying to get things in order to buy a house and be able to get things secure to start a family and all of that's well and good and all of that's natural to want and to do. But I've come to find out tonight, I I wonder where the next Ted and Pat Grossbach are. Brother Grossbach was an electrician, making pretty good money, but was willing to give it up for pennies because he knew, I've been called to something. I've been called to something. Not just in my spare time. Not, not just what's convenient, not just what I can work into my schedule, but it is going to be my primary pursuit. It's going to be the thing that causes me to get up every day. It's going to be what drives me. It's not going to be the next promotion I can get on a job. It's not going to be the next house I can get or the next car I can get. It's not going to be any of those things, but my absolute number one driving pursuit is going to be that I can become everything that God has called me to be and I can experience everything that God has for me. I want to leave everything else behind that might hold me back and I want to pursue with everything. I think part of the challenge is it's that moment of uncertainty of letting go of what I'm used to to reach out for the unknown. What if, what if I let go of this and this doesn't pan out? What if I cut ties to reach for this and God doesn't come through? You've heard me say it, most of you have. My favorite verse in the Bible, Job says, I've heard of you with my ears. That's where it starts. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word. We all have to start with faith that is based on hearing. But faith that is based on hearing, I'm sorry, it's not unshakable faith. Faith that comes by hearing brings faith. It starts faith. It initiates faith. But an unshakable faith is not a faith that's based on hearing. It's a faith that's based on seeing. And so Job said, I heard of you with my ears. But now 
I have seen you with my own eyes. I've heard other people tell me about you. I've heard other people talk about how great you are. I've heard other people talk about how you come through. I've heard my parents talk about when I was just an infant and they had just come to this town and out on visitation and literally nothing in the house to eat. Walking home or coming home to a door that was ajar and walking up to bags of groceries that to this day they have no idea who dropped them off. I've, I've heard those stories and that initiated my faith. But at 43 years old in 2015, I'm not still here because of what I've heard about him. I'm not just still here because of my grandparents and my parents' story or any of your story. But at different places along the way, I have now seen him with my own eyes. And I've now come to the point that I am confident that he will come through just like he came through for those before me. He is the same today as he's always been. And if I will give all of me to him, he'll give all of him to me. Seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these things shall be, shall be, shall be, shall be added. There's got to be some sacrifice. It's got to cost you something. We're all happy to Get rich, lose weight, when it doesn't cost us anything. Stick a check in my hand. Give me a pill. Let me. Man, when it costs something, especially in 2015, where it's all about convenience and ease and comfort, and, 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 and I'm sorry, God is not a microwave God. There's a few things that I've had some conversations with God and I have informed Him several times about a couple of patterns that He needs to change about Himself. Much to my dismay, He doesn't listen. He doesn't change. I'm one of the most stubborn people I know. But God is way more stubborn than I could ever imagine be. And I've learned that when I dig my heels in, He digs His heels in. When I harden my head, He hardens His head. Until I finally reach the point of breaking. Okay, I give up. I accept you have your way and you don't change. So I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to stop resisting. Because what I also have come to believe is your way works. Amen. 
I watch people stress themselves out to accumulate things that others of you haven't even worried about and God has just piled them on. I've watched some of you and some that have been here in the past work two and three jobs to be able to get toys while others of you, God just dumps them in your lap. Why? Because when you sacrifice and when you give and you withhold nothing, we got a heavenly Father that likes to give back. We've got a heavenly Father that's not going to let His children outdo Him. So the bottom line is tonight, I'm asking you, where's the sacrifice? But in the big scheme of things, there is no sacrifice. What could it, what could I offer as a sacrifice that is truly a sacrifice in light of what he gives back? What is it that I can truly sacrifice in light of what He does in me and through me? How can I call what I do a sacrifice? But the enemy tries hard to keep us from giving it up because it seems like such a great price. There's this amazing thing about God's way versus the devil's way. The devil has a way of promising you whatever he wants to give you at a very cheap price. The problem is he does not tell you all the hidden costs. He doesn't tell you all of the heartache and pain and trouble that goes along with the bargain. God just shows up and lays it out on the table flat out. See that? That's a cross. Go get it, deny yourself, give up everything, sacrifice, follow me. The devil never tells you the full price up front. God never tells you the full blessing up front. The devil's got all kind of hidden costs that if you go for what he's offering, you'll pay. God's got all kind of hidden blessings that if you'll take the price he's asking, he will bestow exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think upon you. Just to be clear, I'm not preaching prosperity to you tonight. I wouldn't trade a million dollars tonight in exchange for a wonderful wife, four healthy kids, a great family, healthy... I wouldn't trade that. Everybody's always wanting the money and then they get the money and there's all kind of heartache and headache and pain to go. Blessing, the the S's in 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 the word blessing are not dollar signs. Every blessing is not in bills or checks. In fact, the greatest blessings I've ever received were not in the form of monetary blessings. It was intangible things that there was no way in the world to put a price tag on it. There's really not much point in using this in light of the verses I've just read to you from the story of Elisha, but... According to history, Alexander the Great, arriving on the shores of Persia with his army, overwhelmingly outnumbered, 
Yet he gave the orders to his men to burn the boats. As their only means of retreat went up in flames, legend has it that Alexander turned to his men and said, We go home in Persian ships or we die. We go home because we conquer the enemy and take their ships or we die come to ask you tonight again, particularly you 35 and under crowd, are you willing to burn some ships? Are you willing to embark on some things that God has for you and absolutely eliminate an escape route? To have no plan B. Don't leave here tonight and quit college. Don't leave here tonight and go home and tell your parents you're skipping high school. It's not what I'm preaching. I'm a full believer in getting your education, going to school, doing all those things if you're able to do that. That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching is you do all those things, but that's not the motive and the focus and the drive of your life. That finding out what God has in His kingdom for you is the primary focus of your life. All this other stuff you do is just support to that. Your career is not who you are and what your life is all about. That's just what you do if God hasn't called you to full-time ministry to sustain you and a family and whatever. But that's not your passion. That's not who you are. Did it in private months ago. Let me do it more publicly tonight. Let me say to those of you that are involved in the Antioch ministerial license and, and that process and you, you say you got a call. Is that just extracurricular activity? Is that just a cool thing to be a part of? Cause a couple of guys have gotten a certificate and so you realize, hey, if I'll do some work, I can get, I can get acknowledged and get one of those too. Or is there something inside of you that drives you that like Jesus said, for this cause was I born. This is why I'm here. This is why I was created. I wasn't created for any of these natural things I may do or be involved in, but I was created for this. I always find it extremely difficult to answer a a person in the world about how I became what I am. I was. I, we've had iPhones for I don't know how many years now. In all those years, I've never broken one. I don't think you have either, have you? Last Thursday night, once last Thursday night, at, or Thursday night a week ago at Youth Congress, Angie was trying to get her phone out, and it fell flat, face down on the concrete. She picked it up, and sure enough, it was now a beautiful mosaic. And she had my full sympathy until Wednesday morning when I got out of my car in my driveway, and mine 
went face. I couldn't have dropped it better flat on purpose if I wanted to. So I went to Apple to get it taken care of and was talking to a guy who was really interesting, Brother you. He's a class of 13. Very similar story. Went down to Pensacola and, and was retired because of medical conditions. And so I was, we got on the subject of all of that and my dad shared my dad's story. But he asked, how, how did you become what you are? How, how do you tell somebody in carnal terms, I was called? <laughs> How do you tell somebody in natural terms, for as long as I can remember, I felt this is what I was made for. This is who I am. As I say many times, I understand not everybody's called to stand behind a pulpit and preach, but everybody's called. Not everybody's called to work at church full time and draw your employment, your livelihood from from the church. Not everybody's called to do that, but everybody's called. Are you willing to not just go after what you can get while still holding on to what you have? Or are you willing? Paul said, I count everything. I count everything, the good and the bad, I count it loss that I may win Christ. I wonder tonight is I believe we're on a we're on the the the, the edge of God doing something fresh and new. And I wonder if while we sit and wait for those to pay the price like Isaac asking where's the sacrifice that the Holy Ghost is actually saying to some of us tonight you I want you sacrifice is missing because you are the sacrifice the sacrifice is missing because I want you to lay your all on the altar. I want you to cut every every escape route and every escape plan. I want you to get rid of it and be absolutely sold out that if this doesn't work, I want you to go after it with such a passion that if this doesn't happen, I've got nothing to go back to. Where? Where's the sacrifice tonight? Sister Trish, come please. Where's a generation? I, as I said at the beginning, I'm not here tonight to rebuke. I'm here to challenge because I'm preaching to young people and young adults and young married couples that are involved in ministry. You're involved in the kingdom. I'm not challenging you to something that you're not doing anything. But I am challenging some of you tonight in the Holy Ghost that they're still a little bit farther in that, in that dedication, in that commitment to go. There's still a little bit more to let go of. There's still a little bit more to put on that altar. You would, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Is there anybody here tonight? who's willing to say, God, 
Here, right here. You want to know where the sacrifice is, God? I'm giving me. You're looking for something to go on the altar. We've got the wood. We've got the fire. We've got the necessary components for this altar to burn the sacrifice. We just need what goes on the altar. And so God, here I am. I'm willing to get on the altar. I'm willing to be the sacrifice. I'm willing for it to cost me anything and everything. I have no price tag. I have no limit to what I'm willing to give you. If I gotta let go of my dreams, if I've gotta give up my ambitions, if I've got to let go of things I've made up my mind I was going to pursue because I wanted them so much, it, it doesn't matter to me, God. I've got to, I've got to give myself without reservation without holding anything back so that I can become not just partially what you have for me not just partially who you've called me to be but to become everything I've got to be willing to give you everything to become everything you've called me to be I've got to be willing to give you everything so tonight God Tonight, God, you're looking for a sacrifice. Here I am. You're looking for something to go on the altar. Here I am. Not looking for something to just put on the altar and walk away. Not just looking for something to give that costs me something, but it doesn't cost me everything. I'm willing to give you my all. I'm willing to give you my all. I wonder if I could ask some of you adults, or some of you that are the 36 and above group tonight, if you'd be willing to come down to this altar with some of these young people, young adults, join together with them. Some of you have something to impart to them. Some of you have lived a life of sacrifice. Some of you know what it means to be the sacrifice. Would you allow the Holy Ghost to use you tonight to impart something, to pass something on? No, they won't pay the same price that you pay. The cost for them won't be exact as it was for you. But there's a cost. There's a price. There's a sacrifice that must be given. There's an offering that must be put on the altar. It's got to cost me something. It's got to cost me something. It's not about earning it. It doesn't cost me something so that I can earn it, but it costs me something so that I can prove how serious, how desperate I am to have it. interested in a bargain God I'm not looking for something cheap 
not looking for something on clearance that I can get for a really great price. I'm willing, God, whatever it costs me, whatever my place in your kingdom, whatever the purpose you have for me, God, whatever the price may be, I'll put myself on the altar. I'll be the sacrifice I need to be. No limitations, God. No limitations on what I'm willing to give. I'll give all, I'll give all Because I know That if I give you all of me You'll give me all of you If I won't withhold from you You won't withhold from me But what I get from you Is so much greater Than anything I'm able to give myself I present myself as a living sacrifice let it be holy and acceptable unto you God as my reasonable service desires, not my life, not my plans, not my agenda, God. I give you all of me. I give you all of me, God. Not a portion, not just a part, not just a percentage, but all I'll be willing to get on that altar. I'll be willing to be the sacrifice. Withholding, withholding nothing from you, God. Withholding nothing. Not going to hang on to any part not going to keep anything in reserve. I give you all. I give you all. I give you all. I'm willing for it to cost me. I'm even willing for it to cost me everything going to put a limitation on what it can cost me. I'm not going to put a cap on what it will cost me. I'm willing to give you everything. I'm willing to give you everything, God. All of me. 
God, all of me. I don't want my ministry to just be an extracurricular activity in my life. I don't want my calling to just be a luxury or an addition, but I want it to be what my life is about, my reason for living, my purpose, my passion, God. not a hobby for my spare time. It's not a hobby that I just do when it's convenient, but it's worth my everything. It's worth me giving you my all. In the name of Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender all. Surrender all. Withholding nothing, withholding nothing, God, I give it all, I release it all, I let it all go, nothing to fall back on, nothing to go back to, I'm going after you with everything I've got, I'm going after my purpose in you with everything I've got. Withholding nothing, Lord. Holding nothing, Lord. You're faithful. I can't outgive you. I can't outgive you, God. No matter what I give up, no matter what I have to give, I can never outgive you. You always give back. Abundantly above whatever I give. I give you all of me. Give you all. I give you all of me. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, awaken God, awaken in a younger generation, the spirit of sacrifice that has been a part of our history, that's been a part of our past to bring us to where we are, that that spirit of sacrifice be passed on to a new generation, God. Let it be transmitted to a new generation. We're willing to pay the price. We're willing to give whatever we have to give. We'll let go of whatever we're holding on to in exchange for what you're calling us to. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
myself, give myself willingly, freely, God. Without reservation, I give myself to you. Oh, hallelujah. Myself away, give myself away. I give myself away. Willingly, thankfully, thankful that I can have the opportunity to give myself to you. I give myself, I give myself. Rabosha talarabose ki Give myself 